Welcome back to the Major Journey Podcast. Today's guest has led Rebel Spirit to become Oregon's number one pre-roll brand. The brand's Pacific Northwest roots are unmistakable, and so is its story of Uncle Mark, the original Rebel Spirit who was incarcerated for cultivating cannabis in the early 1990s. There's a lot to unpack and learn about here today, so let's just jump right on into it. Diane Downey, co-founder and CEO of Rebel Spirit, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here with us today. So, Diane, I always like to to start the show by asking, you know, how did you actually get into the cannabis industry to begin with? And what did that journey look like bringing you to where you are today, specifically with Rebel Spirit? Wow. Okay. So um, that's an interesting story. I was a high school English teacher for 30 years. And the last five years of my English teaching um, overlapped with my CEO duties. And so really it was my um, partner and husband, Chris, was unhappy in his job. He had a small uh, contracting construction company. And so when um, Oregon uh, legalized recreational cannabis, uh, we decided to mortgage our house buy a farm, a little farm, and um, start up our cannabis business. And uh, that was in 2015. And then um, we thought of our family friend, Uncle Mark, um, and decided that we really wanted to get his spirit involved um, because we were so sad about having lost him. And he was part of the um, uh, legacy cannabis market and paid a price. And so that's how we started Uncle Mark's Farm. And then our, our brand name is Rebel Spirit, named after him. That's amazing. So would you say that's that's really the, the, the life, the energy behind the Rebel Spirit? It's really just honoring his legacy and, and all the work that he did that really kind of paved the way forward for what we as a community and industry can do today? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, we He definitely provides uh, an impetus for us to honor him every day uh, in all of our practices. It kind of keeps us uh, really well grounded. I will say that I'm not sure how much he, if he were alive today, I'm not sure how much he would say he paved the way. He was so much of a rebel that I'm not sure um, if if he were alive today, that he'd be in the legal market, he would still be sticking with his legacy market. But uh, at the same time, um, we're the main thing about our affiliation with him is that we're excited about giving him a happier ending, um, mm. because dying in prison is not the way anybody wants to go. And um, so we're bringing him back to life in a happier way. I love that. That's, that's, Amazing and phenomenal, and congratulations on on doing so in a really, really incredible way. Um, in a way, so much so that it has actually made Rebel Spirit uh, Oregon's number one pre roll brand. So, congratulations on that, first and foremost. Thank Can you, you shed a little bit of light into sort of what what you and your team think has contributed to bringing Rebel Spirit into that number one spot and sort of becoming a fan favorite? Um, especially as it pertains to to pre-rolls? Because that's a tough industry and a tough, uh, not industry, but a tough product category to really excel at. Yeah, it's true. We Well, when we started out, we didn't know that we were going to uh, make our mark as a pre-roll brand. Uh, <laughs> our first couple of years, we really mostly sold flour. 
And uh, in 2019, and we did, we're selling some pre-rolls. In 2019, uh, we decided to ramp up our pre-roll production. We got uh, our current packaging, which was a real hit. Uh, and that's when pre-rolls were just starting to take off in the um, Oregon market. And so we were one of the first ones to market, which was a big help for us. Uh, we were also, it, we'd been in business for a few years at that time. And so we were trading on our our reputation for having really good organic flour. And um, that went into the pre-rolls. And uh, so with our packaging and our branding, super good quality product at a reasonable price. So we're not uh, a premium brand and we're not a bargain brand. It's just people, our customers know that they're going to get an excellent pre-roll for a fair price every time they come. Uh, so that's really uh, led to our number one spot. The other thing is that we were the first ones on the Oregon market to put more than one strain in in a package. And so our customers really like it that, say, if they buy a sativa pack, they'll have two different strains of sativa in that one pack. And we generally try to pack a higher THC and a lower THC in the same pack. So if you bought a a pack, you might have a, a 27% THC, and then the other uh, five pre-rolls in that pack would be a 19% THC. And our customers really like that because maybe they um, have a friend who likes more or less when it comes to the strength of the product, or maybe they want to do one in the morning and one in the evening. And mm -hmm. so um, that's been, <clears throat> excuse me, a huge part of our pop popularity. That's really cool. It's I, it almost seems like, it almost seems, and I may be oversimplifying it, but it almost seems like right out the gate, you just knew what the market wanted and where the gaps and the voids were. Is that sort of how it was where before you, you, you know, got into it and said, you know what, this is how we're going to, you know, put together our pre-rolls to, to make two different strains accessible in one pack. Did you sort of look for those voids first or were you sort of testing the waters to see, Hey, I think, I think something like this could work. Let's try it out and then get feedback. Like, what was that that process like for you? The way we came to the higher percentage and the lower percentage in the same pack was uh, we were selling so many pre-rolls that we were sourcing product from other farmers. And um, because even though we're growing 5,000 pounds a year of our own product, you don't want to sell your A-buds. You don't want to put your A-buds into pre-rolls because the margins for those aren't aren't as high, right? So you want to sell your A-buds as flowers and then use smalls and Bs for pre-rolls. And so um, generally speaking, uh, about only about half of our um, the product in our pre-rolls, half to three quarters of the product in our pre-rolls is grown by other Rebel Spirit. And the other uh, portion comes from other organic farms around Oregon. And when we went to source that product, we found that other farmers were more willing to sell to us their highest THC flour if we were willing to take some of um, the their lower T THC flour at the same time. And so it really was a function of our purpose purchasing uh that we ended up getting some more of this lower thc flour and then well what to do with it well we'll package it up with the other and that's what turned out to be the hit so we just kind of tested the market that way so rather than you know picking up a pack and finding oh this is a, a low thc pack or a high thc pack you're going to get both in one the other thing that um was serendipitous was that in the beginning 
uh, say 2015, we had a lot of people telling us that, um, okay, you're going to have these five strains and that's what you're going to grow because your customers really want, um, they really want to be able to depend upon that consistency that they can always get these five strains. And uh, we just never subscribed to that. And it turned out to be lucky because uh, another hallmark of our brand is that we've got a lot of variety. So we've got about 50 strains. We grow about 40 strains. And then with what we purchase from other farms, we've got about 50 strains available that we mix and match in all those packs. Um, and I think that in the beginning, um, the marketers just kind of weren't aware of of what a smoker of cannabis really wants. Mm -hmm. um, so for instance, if you, if you think about uh, wanting consistency, that's super understandable if you're looking at uh, a medical product or, or something like that. But <clears throat> if you want a natural product, there's going to be variation in that natural product. So for instance, if you uh, gathered a handful of cherries off a tree, you could eat those cherries and each one's going to be slightly different, but they're all going to have that great fresh cherry taste. If you want every cherry to taste exactly the same, well, you just got to buy a pack of cherry lifesavers. You're mm. not going to get, you know, exactly the same in, in a fully natural product. And so our customers are ones who really embrace that variety. And in fact, we end up getting uh, pressure from our customers to provide even more variety. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so that that was something that we've uh, come to our customers with that they've really liked. And it's been a, a big learning thing for us. So we might have a proprietary strain that's really popular for a couple years and then it falls off for a couple years, but then we can bring it back. And so it's people want that variety and they want something new, um, just in, as it is in, in a, a lot of things. You go, you get on a kick of, say, eating oatmeal for breakfast or whatever, and then yeah. you move to yogurt for a while. <laughs> that's so funny. That's so interesting. I never thought of it. And that's a great analogy that you use to describe the lifesaver versus just going to an actual cherry farm, let's say, and just picking off a handful. And they're all going to taste a little bit uniquely different just because that is the natural process and, and how it all works. In terms of just going from going from being not in cannabis, but actually being in uh, in education and then jumping over into cannabis, I wanted to ask, is there something that that you feel like you've learned or picked up along the way that, <clears throat> excuse me, that um, that you don't think you would have learned by not being in cannabis and being in a more traditional industry that the industry has kind of, you know, taught you or maybe you've just, you know, picked up uh, along the way? Well, it's interesting. I have a, a, a um, business minor from the University of Oregon. I grew up on a cattle ranch. Uh, and so I know a little bit about uh, agriculture and agricultural business. Um, I, I do remember uh, when we got into the business telling uh, my partner and husband, based on my knowledge of agricultural uh, economics and marketing, that that cannabis was itself was going to be a commodity and that we really needed to work on value-added products and mm. that that was really going to be the only way to uh, make money. And that has turned out to be true. Um, and so, um, 
you know, just comparing to, to other businesses, I think that, um, a lot of people in the industry, um, who aren't producers, so who don't grow their own, they're insulated from, uh, the vagaries, I guess, is the best way to say it. They're insulated from the vagaries of agriculture. So that has to do with the weather. That has to do with, oh, my gosh, we had a great harvest this year. Well, so did everybody else. And so now prices, you know, so now prices get pushed down. And so um, I think that uh, as I was growing up, I was more um, in tune with just those agricultural cycles. But now we're also uh, consumer packaged goods company and so for instance our with our pre-rolls uh the price on those is a little bit insulated from say the drop in price uh for flour and so when the uh, price for flour drops um it can be good for us for our pre-rolls because then we can source flour um less expensively um but at the same time because we've got that grow that also means we're getting less money for our own flour yeah no, that, that makes perfect sense. It's interesting too, how you can sort of, um, in a way, kind of mitigate risk a little bit as, yeah. a, as a brand, as a cultivator by having some of these different options and going from, you know, let's say wholesaling flour to now being able to have a CPG brand uh, that goes direct to consumers. So that's really interesting. Uh, Diane, I also wanted to ask you, do you have any kind of like 2024 outlooks or predictions as far as you know, maybe where we see the flower market going, maybe where we see pre-rolls heading and not just in 2024, but kind of, you know, even into the distant future. How, how do you see that product category evolving? Well, Oregon is its own pro problem um, with the <laughs> glut that we have on our market, which isn't going away. We, there are just so many licenses uh, for a state that is has a relatively small population and perfect growing conditions for cannabis. Mm -hmm. And so we we always just have this huge oversupply. And so I think that Oregon's a little bit of a special case. Um, when it comes to pre-rolls, uh, I've always said that um, pre-rolls will never be the biggest sector, but they are never going away. Uh, when we first got into pre-rolls, they were holding about 9% of the market, of the total uh, cannabis market. Now it's about 12%. In some markets, it's 15%. In some places in Canada, it's 25%. And so I feel super confident about um, being in the pre-roll space. It's... Um, it's a tricky space to be in. There's tons of competition. Right now, there are 250 pre-roll brands in Oregon. And so we're really proud to be at the top, but we've always got people nipping at our heels. And um, I think that uh, when it comes to pre-rolls, for us anyway, the way to staying on top is um, always keeping our quality, just kind of keeping our eye on the prize because uh, I don't know if you've had this experience, but there are a lot of uh, really bad pre-rolls out there. There are pre-rolls that have poor quality flour inside of them, or maybe even no flour. Maybe they're just shake and trim, uh, and they're not well manufactured, so they they don't burn right or they run or whatever. So um, there is quite a trick to to uh, making a good pre-roll. When it comes to the outlook. Um, for the industry, I think that everybody is just hopeful. Um, I feel like the attitude um, industry-wide is sunnier this year than it was last year. 
Um, I know that for us, uh, 2022 was super hard uh, for us financially. And then we um, turned things around and were profitable again last year. Uh, I I think that, um, you know, it's such a new industry nationwide. I think that, unfortunately, there are going to be a lot of people who, like us, uh, came into the market or came into the industry with super high hopes of, um, you know, just doing really well right off the bat. And I never want to discourage somebody like that. But it, it's super difficult. And I don't have a lot of um, experience in other industries. But from what I hear uh, from people who do, the cannabis industry is more difficult uh, to make it in uh, than most industries. Um, I have a lot of hopes for uh, the Latin American market and for the European market. Uh, we've licensed our brand in Peru. Congrats. And yeah, thank you. And, um, you know, have have really high hopes of spreading the word for our brand uh, or getting brand recognition through licensing deals. And we're just going to be starting to sell um, licenses for strains, for specific strains, because we've got about uh, 20 proprietary strains that we've kept to ourselves. And uh we're also starting to sell um, infused hemp pre-rolls. So trying to, yeah, we're trying to expand out. The idea behind the hemp pre-rolls is to get brand name recognition in those markets where THC isn't legal. Mm -hmm. And uh, with the idea that if and when it does become legal, we've got that brand name recognition already. That's a great way to break into new markets. And even just emerging markets, like you said, that's, that's a, Great plan right there. Thank you. Yeah. And I was actually going to follow up with a question that asked, you know, what people can expect from Rebel Spirit in 2024, but that summed it up really, really well. And I'm excited to hear about all those new exciting developments happening on your end. Yeah, thank you. It's the the hemp is pretty interesting because um, what's foreign to me is having a an industry that's not so heavily regulated, and mm. so not having to worry about the OLCC, not having to worry about shipping over state lines, not having to worry about two eighty e. It kind of blows my mind, you know, with the possibilities. And so um, we're we're pretty st- uh, excited about that that new um, subsidiary that we're starting. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'm I'm based in North Carolina, so I'm definitely going to keep an eye out uh, to see if I can if I can get my hands on some Rebel Spirits and appearing on a couple shelves over here. Yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. Well, Diane, uh, last question for those who want to connect with you or maybe learn more about Rebel Spirit and maybe even carry it in their dispensary. What's the best way for folks to reach out? You know, probably the easiest way would just be through our website. There's uh, info at rebelspiritcannabis.com and I personally lay eyes on every one of those and so that's probably the easiest way just info at rebelspiritcannabis.com coming right through our website awesome perfect well Diane thank you so much for joining us uh, on this episode I had a great time this was awesome just learning about the ins and outs of Rebel Spirit and kind of what's what's coming down the pike and how pre-rolls are really just reshaping businesses and offering different opportunities for, for different operators and cultivators and kind of what's in store for the year ahead. So thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Awesome. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Major Journey Podcast. We will catch you all next time. Thanks for listening to today's show. 
To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canna podcasters right here on PodConX and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.